Well, hello, and thank you for joining us on a really special time to gather together. Um, God is just as worthy of our full attention this Good Friday as he would be if we were able to gather together. So I know this is a little different than what we're used to, but let's focus on the things that matter. Jesus was offered up at the cross as a substitutionary sacrifice for our sins so that by grace, through faith, although we are sinners, we can go free. God deserves our full hearts today, our full praise. So I'm encouraging all of us, wherever we are, to invest fully in this time together. Our full hearts, our full praise uh, in worship, uh, in reflection, offering our hearts back to God for all that he has done for us. Let's remember that the cross is at the center of our reflection. 1 Corinthians 1.18 reminds us of this. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. So join us now in worshiping Jesus and in reflecting on the cross where our sins were paid for in full by him.
sit upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until displayed toward us. Father, allowing your son to take the cross for us, to take the punishment that we deserved for our sins, we stand forever grateful. And we worship you in these moments together, recognizing that we are sinners, but you are a loving, gracious, merciful, forgiving God. And so we offer our hearts to you in worship. Please bless all of this time that we spend together in this service. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Crossview Church and those who are watching this outside of Crossview Church, it's great to be with you and uh, at least with you in spirit anyway as, our, uh, as we gather together to remember this Good Friday. This is the day we remember and the moment we remember where Jesus Christ went to a cross to pay for the penalty of our sins. 
What I want to do in this moment together is go through a couple of passages and give some comment, and then we're going to take communion together. And you might be wondering, how are we going to do that? And I'll explain when we get there. But before we get to that spot, I think it's important for us to take some time to remember and to reflect the significance of what we celebrate today, the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, paid for your sin and my sin so that we can stand and be brought into relationship with the Holy God. There is no better news for the human race, especially right now, but for all time. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to grab it and turn to Luke chapter 22. We're going to start with verses 39 to 46. Uh, You can use your electronic Bible, or if you have a regular paper Bible, uh, the way you get to Luke is if you go uh, three-quarters of the way, you'll see Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you hit John or Acts, you've gone a little too far. Back up. Uh, We're going to look at chapter 22 and uh, verses 39 to 46. This is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane before he's going to the cross. And so let's look at this uh, recording that Luke gives us in Luke 22, 39 to 46. He went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. Look at the anguish of the Son of God as he's crying out to his heavenly Father in this moment. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. He was asking that there be a different way to save the world from their sins because he knew what was coming. I think there's a long period of time between Take this cup away from me. And the next one where it says, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus submits himself to the Father's will, even though he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't feel like doing it. He does it. And then it's amazing to look at verse 43 to think that an angel from heaven came and appeared to strengthen him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently as his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from prayer and came to the disciples, he found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. In this place where Jesus is in this garden before going to the cross, he's in anguish. He's experiencing anxiety. He's experiencing loneliness. And we might be thinking, why, how could that be? He was the son of God. How can he experience those things? Well, we have to remember, Jesus was son of God and he was son of man. He was fully God and he was fully human. It wasn't like he was half God, half human. He was fully God and fully human. And we are not gonna be able to understand with our puny brains what that exactly looked like. There's a mystery to that. But we know that that's who Jesus was, fully God and fully human. That meant that he, when he went through the steps of the cross, when he went through every moment of the crucifixion, when we went through all the the places like this leading up to the crucifixion, he really, really felt it. He really, really experienced it, not just physically, but he experienced it emotionally. He experienced it mentally. And there's no way that you and I could understand what the son of God was feeling in this passage. The father, the son, the Holy Spirit were brought together in perfect unity. They have no beginning 
It's hard for us to wrap our head around that as well. Father, Son, Holy Spirit always existed in the perfect relationship, in perfect intimacy. No brokenness, no uh, disunity, no argument. They existed in perfect unity. And now that intimacy, that fellowship, that friendship that exists, that relationship that exists amongst the Godhead, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, now has to be broken as Jesus goes to the cross to bear our sin and the father turns his favor away from his son and pours out his holy wrath because his son is representing and becoming your sin and my sin. See, Jesus knew what was going to happen and I think the emotional, mental thought of what that would be like to have that fellowship broken tore Jesus apart in a way that we'll never be able to comprehend. And so here we see the the human side of Jesus reacting to the reality that is to come. And he's resisting this. He wants to come up with a different way. It's so overwhelming, so lonely, so full of anguish. He says, Father, if you are willing, take away this cup. That cup is the wrath of God. Take away this plan. Let's come up with a different way to save the world. In essence, is what Jesus is saying. He's hesitant because he knows what's going to come. Abandonment from God the Father, and that's something he never, ever, ever experienced before, and he existed for all time. So now let's fast forward and look at another passage. A lot, many of you just have to turn the page to Luke 23, verses 32 to 49. Luke 23, verses 32 to 49. After the garden, he's arrested He goes through the floggings. He goes through the torture. And now we're looking at Luke 32 to 49. Two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself. This is God's Messiah, the chosen one. See, Jesus claimed to be Messiah, the one who would come and save the world. And they see him in this spot. And now they're mocking because they feel like they have one-upped him and know what's going on. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him. It read, this is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him as well. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and while you're at it, save us. But the other criminal rebuking him said, don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we are getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. The sinless lamb of God going to the cross. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three because the sun's light failed. 
The curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. In the first passage we looked at, we see a reluctance, a hesitancy from Jesus to enter into the Father's will. And here we see in verse 46, almost a comforting, a relief where he entrusts his spirit into the hands of God the Father. At one moment he was hesitant, at the next moment he threw his whole spirit into God's hands. What changed in between? What took place that would move Jesus from that place of anguish, loneliness, anxiety to an almost comfortable, confident, pouring out his spirit into the Father's hands? Something significant happened. Something unbelievable happened. Something happened that changed the course of the entire universe forever. That something was that Jesus Christ paid for your sins and my sins. Let's take a look at what changed, what took place, what happened that was so powerful that would take this plea in the garden, God, we have to come up with a different way to Father, I entrust into your hands my spirit. There's two clues in this passage that tell us something definitely changed. The first clue we see is in Luke uh, 23, 44 to 45. It says it was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three because the sun's light failed. In the Roman Empire, the day began at 6 a.m. and they would kind of count hours and the sixth hour was noon where the sun would be at its hottest, at its brightest, covering the whole earth. But not on this day. On this day, it was dark at noon and that darkness lasted for three whole hours And Luke records this. He's a master historian and he records this as a fact, but it's also not just a fact. It's a sign that something powerful happened. It's a miracle that represents the son of God did something truly significant. Sinclair Ferguson, who's a theologian, writes this about what happened. He said, for a brief season, Creation itself seemed to be thrown into reverse gear where God said, let there not be light because darkness covered the earth. There's a benediction, a blessing that's written in Numbers chapter six. A benediction or a blessing is what we do at the end of each of our worship services where uh, the pastor will bless the people of God and give them a blessing at the end of the service to take with them as they leave. And one of the powerful blessings and benedictions we see is in number six, where it says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he, may he make his face shine upon you. That wasn't happening with Jesus in this moment. The father's face was not shining upon him. And it's probably the only time that has ever happened. And the reason was because the father had to pour out his wrath upon his son to pay for your sins and my sins. And so Jesus was experiencing this darkness. The son of man, the fully human side of Jesus in the garden knew this moment was coming. And that's what caused all this anguish and anxiety. And now he was living it. And the world was responding. And the way it responded was it covered itself in darkness. 
When David wrote in Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will be with me. Not for Jesus in this moment. Jesus was in the darkest valley ever, paying for your sin and my sin, absorbing the wrath of a holy God. And he was doing it alone in this moment. And it was almost as if creation, who was put into place by the hand of Jesus himself, was mourning the loss of their creator. And the way that was expressed as darkness fell upon the whole earth, something significant happened. Even creation itself was mourning the creator, the son of God who died on that cross. On that cross, he was put there by men, but he was paying for the sins of the human race. While paying for our sins, God the Father, uh, it says in the Bible that he who knew no sin became sin for us. Meaning when Jesus went on the cross, he became your sin and he became my sin. He stood in the place that we were supposed to stand because all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And as he was on the cross, God the Father paid and dealt the punishment that the right just punishment for sin against him. And he poured out his wrath. He poured out his punishment, not on us, but on his son who stood in our place. See, that's what was happening in that moment. It was significant. It was powerful. It changed the world. And the cup that Jesus was dreading in the garden was being poured out upon him as he was taking the penalty for your sin and my sin. And while that happened, creation mourned and the earth went dark. There's another clue that tells us what happened. And that's in the second part of verse 45. Not only did the sun's light fail, but it said the curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle. And what it's referring to there is in the temple where Jewish people would come to worship God, there was different rooms and different stages. And in the center, they had what was called the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was the place where God himself, the presence of God dwelled among his people. And no one is allowed to go there. And there's a curtain that separated the Holy of Holies, that holy place, from the inner court, which is the next stage of room around the Holy of Holies. There's a curtain that was separating those two. And no one was allowed to go beyond the curtain except the priest one time a year after he went through a rite of purification. He would go on behalf of the people into God's presence in the Holy of Holies, but it was very strict about how he had to do it. And if he made a mistake, he would die. That's why when he walked in, when the priest walked into the Holy of Holies, they actually tied a rope around his ankle. So if he messed up and died, they could pull him out because no one could go behind that curtain. And now what has happened is when Jesus died on the cross, that huge curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from that inner court was split down the middle. Tearing of garments was a sign of grief and mourning. It could be that God the Father was tearing that curtain as a symbol of grief over the death of his son. However, it means something greater. It also, it means something more powerful. See, when that curtain was split down the middle, what it was symbolizing was that now, because of the work of Jesus Christ, the barrier between a sinful human race and a holy God has now been destroyed. 
Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he removed the barriers that separated us as a sinful people from a holy God and brought us together in relationship with God in peace because of his work on the cross. Because payment was made. Because the punishment fit the crime. Holy treason against a holy God is what the human race did. And Jesus Christ stood on, in the, our place on the cross to absorb the holy wrath for that sin. And in doing so, now God gives us an amazing offer. If we give our life to Jesus, we are brought into perfect relationship with God. You see, something amazing happened in that moment. The curtain was no longer needed because the barrier between sinful human race and a holy God was removed because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He made a new way for us to relate to God. He created a new way for us to live in his presence. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 20, it says, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. You see, Jesus was torn on the cross, just like that curtain was torn to give us a new way to relate to God. So what was the difference? What was the difference between that fully human side of Jesus in the garden saying, God, we have to come up with a different way. We have to come up with a different plan. And that confidence in throwing his spirit into your hands, I commit and give and entrust my spirit. What was the difference? His work was finished. His work was finished. That's why he could confidently, without hesitation, say, God, here is my spirit. In triumph and in joy, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. You know, many theologians believe that when Jesus was going through the moments of the flogging before the crucifixion and crucifixion itself, he was praying the book of Psalms in his head. Did you know that? Did you know that the book of Psalms is often referred to sometimes as Jesus' prayer book? Jesus used the Psalms a lot, and many theologians believe in this darkest moment where he felt this anguish and anxiety, his lifeline to the Father was to pray the Psalms to go back to God's word and pray the Psalms. That's why it's important for us in these weird, crazy times we live in to keep uh, immersing ourselves, saturating ourselves with God's word. So Jesus, when he was going through this moment, he was praying the Psalms and, and he went from what we see in Psalm 22.1 where he says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? To now we see in Psalm 31.5 as he is probably praying through into your hands I entrust my spirit. You have redeemed me, Lord God of truth. You see, he called out to God in both times, one time in anguish and other time in soul-satisfying victory. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was obedient to God the Father by going to the cross. It says, for the joy that was set before him, knowing that there would be a joyful time where the sinful human race can now come into relationship with God. The joy of that moment set before him, he endured the cross and obeyed what his father had called him to do. You know, in John's account of the story, in John 19, it says that the soldiers were so busy 
uh, gambling for Jesus's belongings that they didn't even notice he died. But that wasn't the case for their boss. You see, a centurion was present, and a centurion was kind of the boss of the Roman soldiers. And look at Luke 23, verse 47. It says, when the centurion saw that what happened, he began to glorify God saying, this man was righteous. He began to glorify God saying, this man was righteous. This man was righteous. He was sinless. He was perfect. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live on earth. And what this means is because of the cross, If you give your life to Jesus Christ, he takes his righteousness, his perfection, and he clothes you in his righteousness. You see, the Bible tells us in order to get to heaven, you have to be perfect. In order to get to heaven, you have to be absolutely perfect because that's how holy God is. But the problem is none of us are perfect. And so we stand in this problem, this dilemma where we Perfection is required. We can't produce enough perfection in us through doing good things and through behaving right to get to heaven. There'll never be enough perfection to wash away our sins. We need the perfection of another. We need a foreign perfection, as Martin Luther said. We need a perfection outside ourselves. And that's what Jesus Christ was giving us on the cross. He comes and gives us his perfection, his righteousness. And so when we give our lives to him, we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus and we stand as a bright light before the Father and we have relationship with him. This man was righteous. He took on our sin. And he gives righteousness to those who follow him. Look at what else the centurion did. Not only did he say this man was righteous, but it says that he glorified God. He worshiped. And so should we in this moment as we remember this amazing thing that Jesus did for us. And so how are we going to do that? Well, I want you to prepare communion. And we're going to take communion together. No matter where you are, wherever you're watching this, I want you to, uh, here's how we're going to do this. I want you to pause the video when I tell you, but, and then go find some bread or crackers. And if it's just you by yourself, get enough for yourself. If it's um, you with your family, then get enough for your family. Um, And I want you to get either bread or crackers. This is just a symbol. So there's nothing magical or mysterious about the elements that we use in communion because the purpose of communion is to remember what Jesus Christ did for us. So get some bread or crackers to serve as the body and then you can get some grape juice or if you have to even get water or if you don't have any issues with alcohol, you can use wine. But get something to take food, uh, body and blood, um, bread and drink as we celebrate communion. So pause the video right now and when you're all set and ready, go ahead and start it again. Okay, I'm assuming that you're all set and you have uh, communion there. Just by way of instruction, uh, know that you don't uh, have to be a member of Crossview Church or part of our church if you're watching this from outside to celebrate communion with us. 
The Bible just says you have to be a member of the body of Christ, meaning you have to be a Christian. Communion is something that Christians celebrate. And so if you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you're following him, by all means, join us during this time. Also, parents, we trust that you are the spiritual leader of your home. And so if your son or daughter is old enough to understand the gospel and they've asked Jesus into their life and they understand that communion is just something that reminds us of what Jesus did for us on the cross, they are free to take communion in this moment as well. So the purpose of today's message was for us to remember what Jesus did, to remember that he became sin for us, died on the cross, that we could have relationship with God. I want you to take a moment now in silence. I'm just going to give you some time in silence to think about what Jesus did to die on the cross for our sins. And maybe in that moment, you'll ask forgiveness for a sin. Maybe you just need to be quiet and remember and think it through. But think about what Jesus did on the cross for our sin, and then we will take communion together. Jesus, we thank you so much for the price you paid on that cross to take away the debt we owe before a holy God. We thank you that you endured physically, mentally, emotionally torture that we could not even comprehend. And you did it as an act of love. You proved your love beyond any human imagination and we thank you for that we remember what you did and we don't take it lightly and we behold it in this moment as we take communion in jesus name amen on the night when the lord jesus was betrayed he took bread and when he given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which has been broken for you do this in remembrance of me And in the same way, he took the cup after supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for these moments we've had together to remember on this holy day, in this holy moment, something powerful that happened that changed everything from that point on. We thank you that we can be brought into a holy relationship with you because of your love and because of the obedience of your son. And we pray that you would help us to remember and walk in these things. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close out this Good Friday moment, Uh, Ryan and his family will be leading us in worship, and so I encourage you to stay tuned in as that worship time uh, goes. But also, I want to encourage you to, uh, after that time of worship that Ryan and his family are going to lead us in, to go to our church website and watch a video that we have posted there called Good Friday, You Need Not Say Goodbye. 
Good Friday, You Need Not Say Goodbye. It's going to be posted on our website. Uh, Click on that. The Good Friday worship service that we're in now is not complete until you watch that video. So uh, take this time and, and enter into worship that Ryan is going to lead us in. And then as soon as that is done, I encourage you to immediately go to our website and click on that video, Good Friday, You Need Not Say Goodbye, and watch it. And when that video is done, that concludes our Good Friday service that we have for you. But please make sure you watch that video. You will not regret the time you spend watching it. Uh, It's powerful, and it will help us to uh, conclude this Good Friday moment. Also, I'm excited to say that uh, our worship team during this quarantine period, the Rumbly family have put together an extended worship time, uh, and that's going to be posted on our website, and you can check that out on Saturday uh, if you want, or, and it'll stay up. And so if you are just in need, many of you have kind of responded back and said you've enjoyed the worship services we kept going, but you'd like more worship. And so Ryan and his family were gracious enough to record a long worship set, and so if you want to watch that at any time, that's available as well. But in this time, I'm going to turn it back over to Ryan and his family to lead us in worship and then check out that video on our website, Good Friday, You Need Not Say Goodbye.
that we were purchased there, that the blood of our Savior Jesus covered over sin. We thank you for the opportunity to celebrate all that has been done for us and ask that you would help us to continually remember well who you are and how you have worked to save us. So God, I ask for each of my brothers and sisters joining us for this service, God, that as we move on from this time, you would help us to stay in this place of reflection on the cross as we prepare for the glorious celebration of Easter this Sunday. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So after you've watched that video, um, please know that that concludes our Good Friday service. And then I want to encourage you on Sunday morning to uh, go back to our website, to our YouTube channel, where we will gather, even if it's via technology, we will gather as the Church of Jesus Christ because nothing can stop us from worshiping the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Even though we are quarantined, even though we can't gather physically, nothing will still stop us because of this gift of technology as a church to gather and worship together on Easter Sunday morning. So we encourage you to log on and watch Easter Sunday morning as we worship the resurrected Jesus Christ. I look forward to seeing you then.